Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We got to get these doggies. They're out of the pen. We got to get them back in the pen. In the pen, sure. In the pen. We got to get them over to the last podcast network, Country Jamboree, June 18th, 2022, at the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee. Come and check out all the shows that you love on the last podcast network. We'll be in front of you in our meat space, and we cannot wait to entertain you and have a great time. But for those of you that can't come in person, Go to momenthouse.com slash LPOTL and buy your live stream ticket. Yes, yes, you too can watch us perform our jangly country jamboree from the nudity of your couch. Absolutely fantastic. I hope you guys enjoy the show. Thank you so much for your support. And we are so excited to be at the OG Grand Old Opry. Hail yourselves. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Hi. Mm. Trying to get into that. I got to get into Nanny. Because I'm looking at pictures of Nanny, man. (laughs) And you toss a moo-moo on me. Put some curlers on me. You take my hair back a little bit, especially back in the day when murder fist hair, when I used to have big curly hair. Oh, yeah. Put mm-hmm. some lipstick on me, shave mm. my face. <laughs> I think there's some nanny in me. Oh, you know I, I can't mean, wait. I, I have nanny's silhouette. Ooh. But I'm, I would have been very attractive to many a man in the 1920s through the 1950s because, yep. again, what we have discovered, much like Bell Gunnis, who's maybe of the same criminal DNA as Nanny Doss, but obviously we'll, we'll, we'll unpack that. But, man, she had something else. She got a swerve. I don't know yeah. what Nanny does and what All Belle right. does. Is it just because they suck dick? Maybe. I mean, it's- it's like you said back then, man. It's all about the snapper. Oh, yeah. All right. Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. <laughs> the seafood episode. All we're talking about is snapper and a whole series of other crab fish. Well, this is just fantastic. What a fun way to start. No, it's look at me. I'm we're here. It's like I'm. you got a little like sexy yeah. old lady right next to you. <laughs> yes, I come do. Come on, this ain't nanny can't do. <laughs> well. Nanny can do. Grandpa. No, come okay. on. That's See fair. my pubic bone. Bump against well, that belly button. You just yeah. get through the lard here so I can feel it. All right, everyone. Today we're on to Nanny Doss. I'm sure it's going to be an interesting tale of a wonderful caretaker. 
Nanny Doss, a.k.a. the Giggling Granny, was an American serial-killing black widow from the Deep South who murdered 11 family members between the 1920s and the 1950s. And you know the sex is good when the giggling. <laughs> well, we know that you're we not we from your mother. We don't discuss that, do we? Yeah, yeah, we're not from <laughs> but that's one of those that we don't discuss. Oh, what's that whiteboard over there? One of those topics that we don't discuss. Ben's giggling mother. Yeah, that's how you know. When the, when the room is a giggling, don't come a jiggle. <laughs> well, Nanny's M.O. was poison hidden in food or drink, mostly in short, sharp doses. But sometimes she delivered that poison over agonizing periods of weeks or months. Again... We're just here to remind you, women are extremely dangerous. Ooh, mm -hmm. just like us. Yep. Isn't that a unifying factor? <laughs> yeah, that should bring us together. It really should. <laughs> Nanny Doss, however, is somewhat unique in the world of Black Widow killers and that she did not necessarily kill for the money, mm. although she certainly did receive a payday or two from her murders. She straight up said it was a lucky set of circumstances. It worked mm -hmm. out for her that she got paid insurance money. That's the mm -hmm. scariest part, actually, when they don't kill for money. They kill for passion and oh, they're yeah. like, and then it just happens to be I also that, get money. Yep. That mm -hmm. just goes to show you you work hard, but not for fame, not for money, and you'll get both. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Perhaps more disturbingly, Nanny's main motive for killing her husbands, children, huh. grandchildren, oh. and relatives was that she either simply didn't like them anymore, or she felt that they were standing in the way of the sort of life she felt she deserved. Nanny Doss sneakily has one of the highest body counts for a black widow murderer that's not an angel of death. I feel like that's where yeah, the sure. asterisk is. Okay. It's because well, she's black, not, widows and, black widows and angels of death are two entirely different uh, categories. categories. But there are a lot oh, of times they wear the same size dress. <laughs> <laughs> but Nanny Doss, like she got something out of it besides all of this. She had, uh, she had an interior motive. And you know what it was? Sweet, sweet romance. Oh, indeed. I'm just looking for somebody to care about me. I'll care Don't about somebody you. Somebody to come give me that. Give me some flowers, you, you fucking dumpy man. I, <laughs> I got some right here for you. You took care of me. Yep. They're daisies. I deserve excellence. There you go. <laughs> Must have been sad, the final family reunion, when she looked around and no one was there. No, she yeah, actually we'll loved this. We'll actually get to that. We'll get to that point. <laughs> See, Nanny Doss had a lifelong obsession with romance literature, oh, and as a consequence, her psychopathic fantasy life was not the sexual power fantasy often seen in male serial killers. Instead, Nanny's fantasy was emotional. For example, while Jeffrey Dahmer's fantasy of having a zombie sex slave caused him to drill a hole in a dude's head and fill it with acid... And that's amongst other atrocities, of course. That's just because he was a, a creative and he was filled yeah. with imagination. That's the problem. Well, there's some imagination in there. Nanny Doss's fantasy, on the other hand, of living in a romance novel led her to poison almost a dozen family members when her unrealistic expectations clashed with the dreary reality of her existence. I'm sick of everybody telling me that some man ain't gonna come out from the field with super long hair. Right. Body cut. <laughs> Like it was cut from the finest alabaster marble. And I cannot right. believe they tell me that a man just can't appear from the corner and lay me down correctly. <laughs> and it turned out he's also a millionaire and he could also write a song and he also brought chocolates. And you mean to tell me I'm being unreasonable? Well, it's just difficult uh, to find your Prince Charming, isn't it? 
Mm-hmm. You come here, suck my dick and eat some prunes, right? <laughs> no problem. I'm gonna, suck, I'm gonna sit here. I'm gonna suck your dick and eat some prunes till you death. <laughs> okay, I I love prunes. Also, this reminds me of the fantastic John Candy vehicle, Delirious. Very, where sure. he was a romance comic or romance novelist who got thrust into his own story. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. But perhaps the most incredible part of the Nanny Doss story is just how easily she got away with murder again and again for over three decades. Well, I'm good Dis- at it. Because I'm good at it. I'm the best. You are you the best. for me. I'm the goat. You might be. <laughs> and this is despite the fact that most of the people closest to her were absolutely convinced that she had, in fact, killed their children, siblings, and fathers again and again and again. Hmm. It's an incredible set of circumstances where this truly innocent looking woman, and, and it, it's true, if you look at her, look at her face. Yeah. She's guileless. She has that like wide open expression, big smile. Like exactly what you picture, like kindly grandmother. It yeah. is exactly this woman. And leading up to the the kindly grandmother form, she actually had a shapely figure. She was mm-hmm. obsessed with glamour <laughs> magazines, so she knew how to like doll herself up. Like she was yeah. always uncharacteristically like done up in front of people. She's kind of right. like she dazzled people. So and then your whole family, everyone else around her, it's like you will never fucking believe me, but Nanny's <laughs> a straight, cold fucking murderer. I mean, she's just been like, I'm some prunes. Everybody loves me. You want to put some backgammon? I actually have had so many prunes since I've met you. Oh, yeah. It seems like you're only feeding me prunes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I like, how, I like how you eat them. She does look like a janitor who just happens to also be the hospital executioner. <laughs> or like, the, like she looks like a prison executioner, but then like, you know, yeah, she's like, uh, she looks like Juana Man 3. Oh, a little bit. There's a little nice. bit of Juana Man 3, but honestly, it is. It, she's still, she's very charming, but no one would, yeah. no one believed. Everyone suspects. She'll torture you, but she'll also feed you jelly. Yeah. Yeah. That's her exactly. That's called marriage. Yeah. <laughs> Now, our source today, Giggling Granny Nanny Doss by Ryan Green, admittedly ain't the most reliable. And it's obvious that the author took a fair amount of liberties when it came to the particulars of the story, because he doesn't volunteer where he got a lot of the stories or the details he presents as fact. But overall, Nanny Doss presents a damn good story. And while we'll, of course, strive to be as factual as possible, the speculative parts of the story will, I think, become fairly obvious as we go through the narrative. I also read a fairly extensive book called Black Widow by Stephen White that was all like it does corroborate quite a bit of this, but it does lean into the romance quite a bit. Mm. It leads to the like you know her sexual escapades. Yeah. She she got banged out a lot. Good for her. Good for <laughs> Same her. thing with Bell Gunnis. I, I don't yeah. know necessarily why. But well, you would think yeah. that she wouldn't be killing all these people if she was sexually satisfied. But mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's not just about that. Because I guess not. It's not about that at all. All right. It's ne- with the female serial killer. It's never about sex. At least as far as I can tell, there's always some sort of like it's a much more complicated motive. Oh, it's more dangerous. Doubt. I mean, yeah. when I leave technically, her- BTK kept himself from killing for ten years by by binding his head and putting women's panties on. Like he did keep it, all of his horrible right. impulses at bay for a short period of time because it was on the whole, it was a whole other power game inside of his own head. But it was yeah. about him, or whatever. It's fucking weird. But Nanny Doss also, like, I mean, hell, she was she would keep her shit under control for 15, 16 years at a time, right. and that switch would just flip, and then all of a sudden, it's fucking time for the dirt. As long as I'm as a man, the man down, get up. Every day, 
He goes to the factory for 18 hours. He it's comes a long home. Shift. I want him to write me a poem. I want him to sit in a goddamn <laughs> chair. I want him to eat my pie without fucking, and I mean both pies. I mean, oh, wow. I don't want him without any kind of complaint. I don't right. want him to do it every day on a regular forever. So you're going to have to eat the banana cream pie and then also the blueberry pie you've made. Uh, Eileen Warnos, when she blew the uh, small dicks man from Foghat, that was quite sexual. <laughs> but she did not blow him away. She did not kill That's him. That's true. No, no. and it was because of Foghat. That's what uh, saved him. I know. Yeah. So Nanny Doss was born in November of 1905 in Blue Mountain, Alabama, the illegitimate child of a woman named Lou, maiden name unknown, and a soldier from a nearby army base. Lou had been ostracized from her family following Nanny's birth, so she worked odd jobs around Blue Mountain to support herself and her daughter, and eventually she met and married a poor dirt farmer named James Hazel. This is my question. Um, why start as a dirt farmer? <laughs> like, <laughs> everyone technically starts as a dirt farmer. It's just you have to go above dirt farmer. It's just that a lot of people stay at dirt farmer. But why... Are we farming just dirt? What well, I don't understand <laughs> is that if you're a dirt farmer, seems like you just got fired by the planet Earth. And that well, now you don't have a job anymore because a farm to me says it's got things growing out of the dirt. If you right. just have dirt, you have a graveyard. Well, if you have dirt, as we saw in Stephenville, Texas, there's a lot of dirt farms there. Yes. Think about storms. What do you need? Sandbags. What do you think sand is? Dirt. Therefore, aren't dirt farmers the what, ultimate heroes? Is that what that is? What are you talking what that is out in Stephenville? No, that's just because there's a drought in the in Texas and they can't fucking plant anything. It seems like the whole infrastructure something's going wrong in Texas. Fantastic. Yeah. No, um, it's, it's, all no, I know uh, is ain't just Texas, my friend. It's the entire fucking country. All I know what? Is one of her strangest <laughs> odd jobs was she had to juggle while standing on one foot and she had plates on her head. That's some classic Kissel humor right there. And it's so nice that even after all these years and the brain surgery, Kissel is just as fast as he ever has been. Well, that's a fact. Now, James and Lou were somewhat of a practical match because while single mother Lou certainly wasn't the most exciting of marriage prospects in the early in early 20th century Alabama, James wasn't a catch either. No. Dour and miserable, James would turn mean at the slightest sign of stress. God damn it, these leaves are turning brown. <laughs> I know the last thing I need is more dirt. Just the change of season. It happens every year. Yeah, now they're yellow. Yeah, the red, it's you fall. stay green. It's just the change of seasons. Well, James saw his new wife and his new stepdaughter, as well as all subsequent children, as little more than free labor for his worthless three-acre dirt farm. Isn't what families are for? It was. Back then. Now, after Lou and... Well, it's not... That's the thing. It's more of a you use children for that, but you also must love those children. Why do I... I don't love my snowplow. Yeah, man. <laughs> actively hate my vacuum. Oh, I, every time I look at him, like, I gotta use you because I just made a mess. Now, after Lou and James got married, they had four more children, a boy and three girls, and every birth was carefully timed so the pregnancies wouldn't keep Lou from working the fields during harvest. That's what a father needs to do. He needs to watch his cum, and he, he builds to a level where it's like he knows one thing gets to sun level, yeah. then he's just like, all right, is she done with the beats yet? Because these beats ain't gonna beat themselves. I don't even know what they, 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 they do. I don't know. I think they're a, a bush. There's something like that. They're purple, <laughs> they're, I think. They're root vegetables. The root vegetables. But you definitely, yeah, that's so fucked that I imagine that they're like, you have to wait till the moment she's done. She's like, and the last of the potatoes are harvested. He's like, all right, I'm fucking horny. Well, absolutely. <laughs> After a good harvest, I think that would be quite arousing. 
No, he saw the whole thing as it's a, an arithmetic model. He calculated how many children he needed to balance out their labor input versus their cost. And he came upon five. Yeah. You know, it's always really sexy before sex when they bring up the Excel spreadsheet and then they talk about <laughs> what do we need? He gets to that point, too, even more so with one yeah. of her husbands. So passion is not exactly the word to describe this relationship. No. <laughs> well, technically, <laughs> Lou did it maybe experience about 30 seconds of marital bliss when that that soldier put that baby inside mm, of her. And this yeah. is what you seem to discover. Like a lot of stories about uh, women in the early, late 1800s, early 1900s, especially like this, is like they did maybe have like an evening of pleasure. Right. And then it just turned <laughs> into um, a um, lifetime of drudgery. Right, yeah. right. Was it worth it? No. Was it worth it? <laughs> now it sounded like a youth pastor talking to a pregnant girl. Was it worth it? Yeah, it was, you fucking asshole. What if we change the name abortions to deflations? <laughs> Listen, because de deflating a balloon is still legal. Yeah. yeah we just start calling babies little balloons. All right. Yeah. Now, Nanny Doss hated her stepfather from her earliest memory, partly because he was a terrible person, but mostly because he forced her to raise her siblings starting when Nanny was five years old. Oh, five. my God. That's too five. early. Come on. And that was when she wasn't clearing debris from the dirt fields. It's a hard when, life. Yeah, it doesn't sound fun. Yeah. When Nanny was allowed to leave the farm and go to school... Only in the wintertime. She had to walk she through the rain and the snow. <laughs> Literally, it's that story of like, they had to walk like the two to three miles to the right. schoolhouse. It was just an abandoned fucking barn in the middle of a field where a woman was like, would slap you if you use your left hand and shit. Well, it'll give you some fun <laughs> fetishes. Well, when she finally went to school, she and the rest of the Hazel family were all picked on for what author Ryan Green called their quote unquote odd mannerisms, although Green doesn't get specific as to what those mannerisms were. What do you I'm, think they may have been, Marcus? I don't know. Blinking a lot. loogies on the floor, not really <laughs> thinking about what anyone else wanted when it came to smells. Yeah, and it's a lot of the Molly Shannon, what's it with the superstar Super thing where you're sticking your hands up yeah. in your armpits and smelling a lot. I remember there was this one kid that we grew up with who was very sweet, right? He was really sweet, but he obviously was like the the crowd of elementary school kids decided that he didn't belong, you know? Yeah. Because he'd wear his Boy Scout yeah. uniform every day and he was really sweet. And then what he would do is he'd stick his two fingers into both nostrils and it's like <laughs> a permanently running nose and he would scoop the boogers uh, from his nose like into his mouth we all had a kid uh, like that and, uh, I had a kid in uh, what was that you want to go on oh no he committed suicide <laughs> when he was 17 I, years old yeah. it was a very sad story it's brutal it's horrible but. figured you were going to say something like that uh, I knew a kid in middle school who when getting nervous he would pull out a Ziploc bag I've told you this before it was full of his mother's hair oh, yeah. and he would rub it all over his body there's always hey. one of those kids hey man but then, and then makes he, you feel kind of normal that's Jack exactly from Twitter <laughs> <laughs> But from what little schooling Nanny had, she found that reading gave her a much-needed escape from the drudgery of her daily life. Okay. And it wasn't long before she discovered her preferred genre. Which actually took quite a bit of effort, because at the yeah. time, there was not a lot of emphasis on little girls getting any form of education. And she latched onto reading. She somehow taught herself how to read. That's great. And then it really did open up her whole world to a world of homicide. Okay. <laughs> When she was seven years old, her mother gave her an issue of True Romance magazine to keep her quiet on a long train ride. And Nanny felt like she'd found a portable heaven in romance literature Aww. that she could use as an escape with every free moment. 
But on that same train ride, Nanny, like many serial killers, received an injury that was at least partly responsible for the ease in which she would commit her most heinous acts without conscience for the rest of her life. Just as Nanny was reading, everything suddenly went black. And when she awoke, she was suffering a debilitating headache. As it turned out, a storm had knocked down a tree which blocked the train tracks. And when the conductor saw it and slammed on the brakes, Nanny flew forward and bashed her head on the metal bar in front of her. Oh, yeah. This is delirious. Yeah. The movie delirious. It really is. I was thinking more Rick Moranis in that scene in Spaceballs. It okay. seems to really be used quite a bit. That's a trope. <laughs> yes. Spaceballs. It ruined Star Wars for me because I watched it first and then I watched Star Wars and I was like, this is not as good as Spaceballs. Yeah, Spaceballs is a better <laughs> film than Star Wars. It is. <laughs> yeah, it is. The resulting concussion was so bad that it caused permanent brain damage. And for the rest of her life, Nanny would suffer from sudden debilitating headaches that sometimes lasted for days. Mm. More importantly, for the purposes of our story, though, Nanny also became prone to severe depressions, long, dark moods and uncontrollable rages. That was the real thing. It was the yeah. black cloud that they said yeah. would cover Nanny and then she would often be found in these, like, besides screaming her head off. Right. Uh, but she'd also be found. I mean, obviously she was put to work in the field pretty quickly afterwards, but crying in the field. Like, it's yeah. kind of like crying in the club. Sure. What Drake used to do. It's kind of sad, yeah. But he never did really. Yeah, I've cried never a, once cried in the club. I've cried in a club or I two. I have, I have. A but uh, it might be mm. good when it comes to watering the one potato. <laughs> <laughs> Just, Got too much salt content. Mm. Make your make your damn tears cleaner than this. Oh, you can't have too much salt in a potato. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, as Henry said, Nanny was put right back to work as soon as her family returned from the trip and suffered from constant blackouts, constant headaches, and true to form, James refused to let Lou take Nanny to a doctor. I mean, yeah, because, you know, he doesn't want to listen. What's the doctor going to do? It's going to be the doctors making the frogs gay. <laughs> yeah. Going to help and maybe help his daughter a little bit suffering from migraines. No, no, she can turn into a frog and then into a gay frog. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> now, in addition to his callousness, James Hazel was also highly violent and would beat Nanny when she disobeyed. But after the accident, Nanny discovered that she no longer feared violence because she was already in constant pain anyway. Yeah, dude. Like that movie Soldier. This is a yeah. superpower, isn't it? Yep. In a way. Consequently, the shit rolled downhill. And after the accident, Nanny quickly developed a taste for beating her younger siblings when they disobeyed, where before she hadn't been violent towards them at all. Yeah, she started really lording herself. She could basically be like, if I'm going to be mommy, I'm going to start acting like a goddamn mom. Well, mommies can also be very sweet. Take <laughs> Your care mommies of the deliberately put out the punishment. Oh, and sometimes okay. <laughs> they give you the tear. Yeah, do you have any more prunes? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I got these extra ones. They're extra slippery for you. <laughs> I love that. No, it was a full and complete personality change. You know, mm. before she's sweet, somewhat timid, into reading. Afterwards, she's a fucking violent rage monster. But when Nanny wasn't in the throes of rage, she dreamed of love. Using oh. the idealized, simplified stories she read in magazines like True Romance as a template for the life she came to believe that she was owed for all the shit she had to endure. It was amazing. I have read this one story, and it was yeah. about the, it was this German count. He comes in as <laughs> a, a German count, count and you're, yeah. a, you're a little milkmaid, 
tied up to a barrel of milk, right? And this cow comes in and he says stuff like, oh, we have ways of making you come. And then you're like, oh, that's amazing. Oh, wow. Right. And the next thing you know, his cow's railing me against his barrel of milk, right? Love this book. Right. You didn't care about his political affiliation at all, did you? It seemed By like that maybe... point, he was so deep inside of me, he might as well have been me. You know what I mean? <laughs> I see, yes. It was like I was fucking myself. He was wow. so deep up in my guts. But his yeah. imagination, of course, I'm five. Right. I'm five years old. Oh, you're five. Well, that's kind of a little lured imagination there for a five-year-old, but okay. Well, James Hazel, on the other hand, wouldn't allow Nanny to go to any social functions, dances, or fairs where Nanny's dreams might be realized. And he wouldn't let Nanny wear anything flattering out of fear that she'd be molested. Because it'd be her fault. Well, that's not true whatsoever. So obviously there's some parental issues here, but that's very sad. She was denied love, falling in love over the deep fried butter that you can get at the Iowa State Fair as you both look at the same deep fried butter and then you say, ooh, yeah, that looks really good. And then you guys eat the butter together and then kiss with your little butter lips. That's what you need to find. You really find an app that brings you together with somebody over a pile of fried butter. Yes. <laughs> But the thing about molestation mm, is fantastic. that in What is there, Jeffrey? We're pulling you over for a traffic stop, sir. Um, I don't even know why you started with that sentence. We actually have to investigate now. It's highly important to the story. Yes. Okay. 90% of molestation cases are perpetrated by people that the children know. Yeah. Especially family members. And that was certainly the case for Nanny Doss. And disturbingly, in early 20th century Alabama, it seemed like molestation was not something that could or even should be prevented, but rather something that had to be channeled in a certain direction. The way my mom, Ugh. even even just her generation, talks about molestation is like the way like getting molested was like such a part of life that they're like, yeah, well, you just don't need to go. You can't be anywhere near Roger. You know what I mean? Yeah, like right. they, that's how they would just pick somebody in the family and be like, "Well, you don't want to be you can't be kept left alone with cousin Adam for all that long." Yeah. yeah. It's it's very very bad. The case in point was that when James Hazel discovered that his uncle and cousins had molested his birth daughters at a number of family reunions, James responded by beating them within an inch of their lives saying that his daughters were off limits. Nanny on the other hand, was fair game for incestuous molestation as far as James Hazel was concerned. And when he caught family members molesting Nanny on two separate occasions, once by a cousin and once by an uncle, he punished Nanny both times for being too flirtatious. Yeah, he uh -oh. blamed it all on her. And then this Nanny's immediately... going to get some revenge, it sounds like. Oh, yes. But Nanny, her dark moods at this point were solidified. And they were really yeah. already coming, like this young age. Right. And... She actually, like, weirdly, it kind of saved her psychologically, but also created a monster where, like, the dark mood, because she then she realized they were like, you men are the problem. Right, <laughs> right. So this is the point of the story where, as with most of these serial killers, you are like, okay, it's very unfortunate, rough childhood, much like Richard Ramirez, you know, oh, but sure. it doesn't mean you should yeah. go on and kill. But, wow, mm. that ain't yeah. easy. No. Yeah. Up to a sympathy, up to a point, of course. But again, Nanny took solace in romantic fantasy and began sneaking away to read the Lonely Hearts and Missed Connections columns in the local newspaper, thinking that if she could only sneak out a letter or two, she could escape Hazel Farm. She had a plan. Mm. Yeah. Finally, though, 
At the age of 15, Nanny convinced her stepfather that if she were to get an entry-level factory job in town, she could earn money for the family to act as a buffer between harvests. And when James saw the logic in Nanny's plan, she got a job at the linen thread mill in Blue Mountain. Yet her father, her adopted father, was like, everything had to be a pitch. And yeah. it had to be very logical. Like he wasn't going to let her just because she wanted freedom or whatever. Blah. Like he didn't right. want to give her, allow her to have her own space. But she had to like literally be like, no, this is going to be super advantageous for the family. For the business. Because I will go, I will make money, we'll bring it in. We can, because we ain't growing shit. You know I don't notice that we have <laughs> not really gone past the dirt farmer part of the equation. That's what we grow. <laughs> we but grow the, the dirt. Because the dirt's already there. You just need a shovel to acquire dirt. You should have seen it before. Um, the, what you was know, it before? Just ethereal matter? Just atoms floating in a gray miasma? Less no, dirt. No, no, no. It was less yeah, dirt. Before it was grass. Now it's dirt. Now so it's we made dirt. it worse. So we well, killed the grass that's alive to, put, to, to bring up the dirt, which has uh, always been there. Or rocks. There was also rocks. It was a lot of rocks. They were all and now there. it's dirt. You didn't have to plant the rocks. Why don't you just go to the fridge and get some prunes? We're not Christian archaeologists <laughs> up here. We don't have to make shit up in the dirt. You know your life is horrible when you seek freedom at a factory that you have to sew linens together. <laughs> yeah. Where you're just standing there like, finally, freedom. Get back to work. Get back to work, child. This is so much better than so the dirt farm. Covered in soot. Now, Nanny might not have been a beauty queen, but she certainly had a cuteness about her, especially for rural Alabama. And she immediately caught the attention of the single men of Blue Mountain, despite being, as Ryan Green put it, a shaky prospect for marriage. Yeah. See, in that time and place, Alabama in the early 20th century, a wife was still expected to bring a dowry or property to a marriage. And Hazel Farm was worthless land worked by a worthless man. Yeah. But that didn't put Nanny off her game, and she took up smoking to have an excuse to hang around outside of the factory and chat up young men. Y'all like fucking nicotine, huh? Yeah, me too, <laughs> loving these. What I love about these menthols, because these are the original menthols, of course, is they have shard of actual, like some kind of chemical in there. I believe this is active asbestos. Yes, it is. Oh, <laughs> uh, but ooh, that cool Carolina asbestos. <laughs> Man, you are so hot. I can see the lung cancer growing and your teeth rotting as Thank we talk. You, yeah, yeah, wow, what a 10. See how brown my tongue is? Yeah, I do. Wow, so hot. Hot. Consequently, during one of those smoke breaks, Nanny came across a tall and handsome 17-year-old boy named Charlie Braggs, who, for some reason, fell head over heels for Nanny. And within four months, they were married. What it seems about ha truly happened with Nanny is that she educated herself on how to appear as, like, literally how to appear as a fun, flirtatious woman right. from her romance novels and her various like magazines about celebrities and all this kind of stuff like she actually fashioned herself mm -hmm. as one of these things and i think that's really what was the difference is that she was what well, they all said that she was vivacious and yeah. so that it sounds like she was really funny and she used to hold court where people used to come and like listen to her talk and she tell stories and stuff like that mm -hmm. and then i think at the very very bottom of it I think she sucked dick. Yeah. And then at the time period, it's just those little X factors. It's this thing that you're doing. It's a significant do. situation. I yeah. think people, people really enjoy that. <laughs> I don't know. I, so I, I really actually have this question. Side stories, LPOTL at gmail.com. How prevalent was sucking dick throughout history? 
I mean, like, I can't imagine it was any less prevalent when people the people we do it. We'd all nasty style. I don't know. It goes in and out. Of, it goes in and out of favor. It ebbs and flows. I would imagine. Because like in, like the in, Roman, in Roman times, they yeah, have sex with between a boy's little legs. Yeah, yeah. In yeah, Roman I mean, times, yeah. In the in Rome and the the late in like the early like five hundred BC, people suck a dick everywhere. Any everywhere. asshole and shit, right? Yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. yeah. Hmm. Now, Nanny's teenaged romantic ideals were outweighed by her hatred of her stepfather. So she didn't really care who her husband was, just so long as it got her off Hazel Farm. Hmm. She was, however, pretty sure that Charlie Bragg's quiet and uncomplicated would be easy to manipulate. Oh, yeah. But starting from the very first day of their marriage, Nanny found that the romance she'd at least hoped for was not in her future. First of all, her first time having sex, which she imagined would be a grand event, yeah. was described as a, quote, crushing anticlimax. Yeah. Although I would venture to say that was speculation. A safe bet, but speculation nonetheless. I mean, okay. I mean, she wanted to get railed by a commandant in a milk field. <laughs> it's going to take also, a second. Yeah, you got Charlie <laughs> Braggs rolling in there, and you know he does the, be like, you know, roll over. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Well, hopefully that takes back to sleep. You know, like he's very, they've all been working in a factory all day. This is speculation at best. I believe that factory workers, they know how to hump oh, no, because they work hard nowadays, and then they have to play hard. Nowadays. I don't know if necessarily back in the day. I didn't know. I think it at the time they thought that, I think they thought the clitoris was a small elf back in the day <laughs> and they were afraid to activate it because it would cause a nuisance and, would be, and chaos in your home. All right. <laughs> Well, perhaps worse than the bad sex, though, was that when Nanny had walked through the door of her new home earlier that night, she found Mother Braggs, oh, yeah. her mother-in-law, waiting uh -oh. for her and her new husband. Surprised that Charlie would invite his mother to stay over on their wedding night, Nanny asked when Mother Braggs was planning to leave. So, uh, this has been this is really nice, actually. I'm so glad you're here, but uh, yeah. it seems like, you know, like, why are you here? Like, you we were supposed to, I just got plugged for the first time. <laughs> no, I always just like to have my mother around when yeah. I'm about to have sex with my wife for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when Charlie said, Oh, no, she's not just spending the night. She lives here with us forever. At this ding, point, ding, just ding, <laughs> like, you know, like because it's Nanny Doss looking at this old woman because it's exactly as you imagine she with like the big bag scowl on her face. Just sitting there being yeah. like, wait, break this. Right. Like because throw mama's from the throw mama from the train. Yes. Um, well, yeah, I actually completely understand Nanny. And um, we'll get into the murders and I'm sure I'll change my tune. But at this point, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> she has been. This is infuriating. It's a rough start. Huh. But, and then the thing is, she's immediately like straight up. She's like, all right, it's the wife's job to stop making breakfast. Oh, my so God. So it's about time you start doing your wife's job. What if I just yeah. fucking kill you, mother-in-law? What we'll if I kill? Okay. <laughs> now, predictably, considering Nanny Doss's luck so far, Mother Braggs was a tyrant, disparaging and cruel. And any time Nanny tried telling her husband that his mother was a horrendous person to deal with, Charlie, the definition of a mama's boy, would act physically wounded. Oh, my mother. <laughs> my mother. Meanwhile, like he's just grown a, uh, a sort of like a Stockholm syndrome like acceptance of the yeah. fact that his mother is a an actor 
radioactive tumor sucking <laughs> off of his life force. Yeah, it's like a like a Frank Henenlotter movie. At this point, I am oh. the bad devil on Nanny's shoulder, just be like, her, don't any gas pumps work in this country? Uh, and then be like, what if she wasn't around? That'd be kind of nice, right? Furthermore, Mother Braggs prevented Charlie and Nanny from having any sort of romantic life together by faking illnesses to hold Charlie's attention. Oh and Nanny God. was once again stuck in a house ruled by a creature of manipulative control. Charlie! <laughs> Charlie! Oh what, Mom? A pigeon bit my toe. Oh, I'll go. I know you were supposed to go on a date that tonight, but yeah. a pigeon bit my toe, so you're going to need to stay home and I'll, keep me safe from pigeons. Yeah, I'll go kill the pigeon, make sure it gets its, uh, the message. And I then think I'll rub- I saw him. He's five miles away. Okay, I'll be right back, and then I'll, be the- I'll rub your toe with my mouth. I hope you have a good night at home, nanny. <laughs> that's horrible. Meanwhile, like, nanny, though, but that's a problem. It's like, she doesn't understand who she's fucking with. I, yeah. It seems like they are pushing Nanny to a limit, and I'm sure she's going to go a little overboard. But the worst conflict between Nanny and Mother Braggs concerned Nanny's romance magazines. Mother Braggs would destroy <gasps> any piece of romance literature that she found in the house because she considered reading romance stories equal to infidelity. Your pussy needs to be dry all day. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Actually, no. Well, I make sure that I want to be faithful to my dear, dear late husband. And oh. I put a bunch of paper towels up there. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> I make sure I keep it as dry as possible. Absolutely. But, of course, you do have to urinate. Mm, I just go right in. <laughs> yeah. I make a little nest. Yeah. Water, the water boy, Kathy Bates' character, very much, it's the devil. It's the yeah. devil. It's the devil. No, she thought that reading True Romance magazine was the same thing. You're breaking a commandment. Like, you are committing infidelity. What about being a cut queen? Because that's what it sounds like she is. She wants to watch her her son have sex with his wife. Wow. What? Perhaps. <laughs> that's just your favorite. That's your favorite genre right now. Well, as long as they're, you know, stuck in a laundry machine or something like that. I don't know what's been going on. All I know is all these slip and falls. We need safer sets. I, it, it really speaks to the problems of private insurance. It really does. Crushed and depressed, Nanny became a two-pack-a-day smoker and a moderate drinker to deal with the sad reality of her existence, which, of course, only worsened Mother Braggs' opinion of her daughter-in-law, which only made their relationship worse. Because the mother-in-law couldn't handle cigarette smoke. So that was the only way to get her out of the house is that she'd just sit inside and smoke all fucking day just to make her leave. That is pure domestic warfare. It really is. (laughs) It doesn't sound like a fun home life. And as it was, things weren't all that great with Charlie either. Nanny became a baby factory just like her mother. And between 1923 and 1927, Nanny gave birth to four children. Her first was Melvina. Her last, her last was Florine. I just, Melvina and Florine are just sound like just two women you never want to see coming. No, you definitely like, don't. I never want to find out. Like, if I found out my insurance adjuster is Melvina, <laughs> we're fucked. I mean, I don't Just know. a scrunch face, mean old Melvina. It sounds kind of like she would be a Frenchie if she was a dog. Melvina. Oh, yeah, sure. I don't know. It's, good, it's, it's, I mean, it's a good name call, for a dog. Yeah, you can call her Mel or you can call her Vina. Just don't call her late for dinner. <laughs> but that's on you then because you actually control when dinner is served because you're the yeah. human. <laughs> I just, I always, they, 
I always just leave a, a bowl out and I say, it's a buffet style. Sound <laughs> good. I do it that way. Well, while at first Nanny and Charlie had sex whenever Charlie wanted, Nanny eventually shuddered at his touch and oh. would only have sex with him if the timing was right for her to get pregnant again. And oh. she even slept in the children's room to avoid him. But Nanny wasn't withholding sex from Charlie because she found sex to be icky. Rather, all of her sexual energies were being spent in the gin mills around Blue Mountain, Alabama. Woo-hoo! Yeah, dog. She went and got it. If yeah. she wasn't getting it, she went and got it. And she, because there was that thing, there was that about her, which must be the true lack of impulse control. Mm-hmm. Like that idea that, that that's what fucking happened in the, when she got hit in the head. Because what's weird is that this is male behavior, not female behavior at the time, quote unquote. Because the other is weird. Buddy. How we many times these husbands just disappear? These women just disappear. I'm talking about in this time period, men would just disappear, and then yeah. you just have to deal with it. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, when Nanny was able to convince either Charlie or Mother Braggs to babysit her kids, Nanny could be found roaming bars topless, letting uh. herself be fondled in public, and sleeping with whatever drunk would take her home. Come on. To make me a full house. This is fantastic. I'm being because the best part is is that you take me from being a full house, we take you all the way to the royal flush. I love you, Nanny. You're just so great. You're no in no way would you kill a bunch of just people. Just let me fuck you, you fantastic. fucking dumb, you dumb pole. Fantastic. That's all you are is a dick to me. You remember that. All right. Mama Nanny can't do. I think I fell in love with you, Nanny. That's your first mistake. Damn it. <laughs> Well, Charlie, meanwhile, didn't care much because he was having affairs with every woman who let him at the linen thread mill where he and Nanny met, sometimes for days at a time. And for Nanny's part, she kept notes in her diary of every woman Charlie slept with to use as evidence of infidelity if he ever tried divorcing her. And after years of this, Nanny's fantasies of a different life, a better life, a more romantic life, they began to overwhelm her and fill her every waking thought. Just like the sexual power fantasies of some male serial killers start to overwhelm them in their 20s. Isn't she already accomplishing that? She's getting banged all over town. She got the kids, which I guess she wanted. because You're, you're confusing it. There's a, Her thing is not yeah, sexual at no. all. There's, no, it's it has romance. nothing to do with sex. She nothing wants at all. Romance. romance has something well, to do with sex. She wants a, It's not even just romance. She wants a life of luxury. She wants to be taken care of. She wants to be pampered. She wants to live like when she sees these things, like she wants someone to come and scoop her off her feet. And, yeah, but I don't and, remember when Belle smoked two packs a day and banged everyone at the gin mill. Because Belle didn't have to live with the beast's mother-in-law. Can you imagine? Oh, that's true. Okay, all right. With that warthog? Yeah. With, <laughs> truly, like what we said, I keep bringing up just because that documentary series really was so fascinating and looking into the the fantasy function of a serial killer, mm. uh, what the idea of BTK, where he had to straight up confess, at one point, my fantasies became more real than my life. Right. Yeah. And that I was walking in fantasy every single day. And, and that's where the either the head injury or mental illness kind of comes into factor because it's not just daydreaming anymore. It's no. you are you are in a fantasy world mm. and you will start to try to make it match up as much as possible. 
Yeah. And I think with the sexual stuff with her, especially going topless in bars, being fondled in public, you know, sex with multiple men. I think that actually has more to do with the molestation than it does with yeah. the, any sort of like serial killing or any kind of psychopathy or anything like that. Like it's that that is that's a whole different can of worms. Because in one way she was she was desexualized, right? Like she was made to wear sack dresses and not allowed to uh, dress in, in any way, shape, or form that were like beautiful or feminine. Right. But at the same time, she was hypersexualized because she'd been actively sexually, she'd been right, actually right. sexually molested since she was like nine years old. Yeah. But Nanny, like many serial killers in their 20s, made her decision to cross the line past sympathy into the realm of destruction. She was a 21-year-old mother of four, Whew. but was soon to be a mother of two. Ooh. Whoa, look at that. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> this is why I would be a good boyfriend for Nanny. What I happened? Like, hey, uh, four uh, kids, but man, what happened? Like, two gone, huh? That's crazy. Well, anyway, anyway, let's not talk about that. I assume they're five, dead, or whatever. <laughs> they must have went to the war. They war, yeah, they went to the war. Live from your grave. A roast as dark as the night, perfect for fueling the cryptid research and mad ravings required for your podcasting. Don't mind the red eyes, he's just trying to warn you of the bridge. The bridge. Finally, from the caffeine-addled brains of Spring Hill Jack Coffee and last podcast on the left, we bring you Mothman's Red Eye Blend. Yes, delicious Panama beans. Go to lastpodcastmerch.com to order yours today. <laughs> Move on! Texas Pete is a sauce and allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around, it's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor! By Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce and a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some cha Texas Pete sriracha sauce, and I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs and a whole bunch of cha and it started off my day correct. Texas Pete, sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off at TexasPete.com. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it, but guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. 
I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Now, Nanny adored her firstborn child, Melvina, but the rest of her family, including Charlie and Mother Braggs, started to look all too much like a burden, far out of step with Nanny's fantasy life. Yeah, you can only get one extra kid on a horse. Yeah, four <laughs> kids at 21, not And I'm only getting banged in a horse from here on out. As, absolutely, they can be very arousing, these horses. Well, Nanny figured that if she only had one kid, maybe two, then her life would turn around. And for her, the decision was nothing more than a practical problem that had absolutely nothing to do with human emotion, because mm. real human emotion was not possible for a person like Nanny Doss. Just the appearance, the appearance of emotion and the appearance of that's the other thing or where the psychopathy kind of comes into, because can no, nothing can satisfy you. And then she went to her Firefox account and Googled, how do I murder my child? But the police didn't look there. <laughs> they didn't look. No, they because didn't. at the time, Casey it wasn't just, a, she just, she was asking a fox in a field. <laughs> 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 about Xanax, how yeah. much Xanax do I have to give my... Yeah. Hey, Mr. Fox, how much Xanax do I got to give these babies? You're going to want to give them a whole bar. <laughs> you want to smash it up and put it in their little baby food, too, as well. Yeah, I'd take the advice of the fox. He's killed at least three or four antelopes since I've known him. <laughs> so, when Charlie returned home one afternoon after one of his three-day-long affairs, he discovered that his two middle children were very suddenly stone dead. Whoa. See, a couple of days before, Nanny had given Melvina toast for breakfast, while her youngest, Florine, had been breastfed. But for the middle two... <laughs> I just wanted to... 
I'm sorry. You go on. I'm sorry. I was just gonna be. I, it was like when you said breastfed. I was like nice, but then I'm like it's a baby. And I just never. <laughs> it's, mind. It's, a, it's a baby. It's a baby. It's not like that weird woman on the new season of Ninety Day Fiance who's still breastfeeding her fucking child long after she should. She keeps every fucking scene. She just keeps flopping out her fucking tit, <laughs> ah, putting yeah, her kid yeah. on. She's like, he's hungry. You can't sleep in the bed with me because I gotta breastfeed him. And the wife and the, the husband is like, why are you still breastfeeding this child after so long? I don't want to share breasts with my child. This is very odd. Yeah, this is man. odd behavior. And the parents are saying, like, I don't know, Emily does what she wants. She does whatever she wants. And everyone's just <laughs> baffled at this woman. Yeah. Baffled. It's not good, man. You not you should not be able to fire up a Nintendo Switch and breastfeed. <laughs> <laughs> like there needs to be one or the other. All right. So toast and toast. breast milk. Toast for one, breast milk for the other. But for the middle two. Nanny had mixed in poison with their porridge. No. And by the time the doctor showed up, thinking it was extreme food poisoning, both kids had expired. Not thinking for a second that a woman would murder her own children, the entire town gathered around Nanny and praised Nanny for her bravery in the face of such a tragedy. Because Charlie, when he came mm. home, right, he finally rolled up. He comes to this scene where the entire house is, the entire neighborhood's at his house, the doctor's there. Whoa. The cop is there. Whatever, because you know every town has like one police officer or some bullshit. Right. They walk in, and Nanny is just like crying, going like, "I can't believe what happened. It's <laughs> it's an unbelievable tragedy." <laughs> and meanwhile, like Charlie catches her eyes, and it's like she gives a little like wink. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> See yeah. what I did. See what's happened. Yeah, he said after he finally looked into his wife's eyes after the guilt wore off. He said he saw no sadness, saw no anger. All he saw was a dark void. Wham, wham. Whoa. <laughs> or at least that's, you know, Ryan Green's speculation. And Charlie said it was so terrifying that he fled from his home in the middle of the night with Melvina. Just <gasps> Melvina. Yeah. Completely abandoning both his youngest child and his mother to a child murderer. Something went on because he came in and because it, it's really interesting because he really he was on a fucking bender right. doing whatever. He rolled in to find two of his four kids dead and something must have happened for him to be like, she fucking did it. Right. <laughs> she did it because he left in the middle of the night because, again, he would not have taken at least a child. If he wasn't afraid, you know what I mean? He would have just yeah. left on his own if he was just going to go on another fucking bender. Sure. Exactly. But as far as Mother Braggs went, she didn't last too much longer after Charlie left. The illness she'd endured from the beginning of Nanny's marriage to Charlie took a very sudden turn into hmm. chronic and crippling stomach pain, which eventually killed Mother Braggs in the summer of 1927. So she's hmm. got three victims real fast. I don't, is this inappropriate to say, but Mother Braggs, I mean, get out of the house. Mother Braggs. She put herself in harm's way. In a, she sounds like she was very um, overbearing. Yes, when then, but the thing was, is that when Charlie left, the fight kind of left her too. So she'd become even more of kind of like a lump. Like she was just like in the house and very despondent and upset. But that's when Nanny knew she's vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm going to do is because again, what you're going to see is what she did. What a lot of women killers do is that they get even closer to their victim. So yeah. they come in, they become the caretaker, and then they oh. control your entire life, and then they slowly poison you. But they did. She fucking got Mama Briggs in a fucking week. Oh my mm -hmm. goodness. Oh yeah, but that, I mean, you know, she wasn't great. No, she wasn't. No, but you shouldn't just murder someone because they're awful. I say you leave them out 
side. Yeah. Honestly, somebody like yeah, that, let, you let, could just let go. Mother Earth take care of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, a year later, in 1928, Charlie reappeared with a new woman, a new child, and Melvina after finally hearing news of his mother's death. Because how do you say this? Be like, I'm kind of married in another state. Um, and I got to <laughs> right. go. But the thing is, is that that's also my inheritance is mm -hmm. that farm. So I got to go get that thing. Yeah. I have to go get that. Okay. Yeah. Nanny was then forced out of her home, and after Charlie divorced her for his new family, he left Melvina behind with a woman, again, that he firmly believed had murdered two of his children. No one liked Melvina. <laughs> All right, let's just go on it. Let's just go on here. Nobody liked Melvina. Um, what did Melvina ever do? Shells, shells and cheese. Melvina, shells and cheese. Have ever had it? Um, Very good. But yeah, no one liked her. Well, yeah. we don't know that. It seems like the entire Braggs family just it was just it, it was a big mess. Let's just say a, it was a big a big big, big mess. mess. Big right. Mess. Yeah. And they didn't necessarily it didn't seem like Nanny Doss was like just the one evil person amongst an entire family of good people. Like they all made the decisions that they all made were definitely um emotionless. Everyone you know? was very hard-edged and callous to each other. Yeah, I, Nanny is just fighting for her right to party. <laughs> you know, but she she could, she did party. The thing is that she already was partying. Okay. Yeah. Well, with nowhere else to go, Nanny returned to the Hazel family farm and went back to work at the thread mill. But instead of choosing a man there, she tried her luck with the lonely hearts columns in the newspaper and oh. began writing letters. Dating apps have always been dangerous. Absolutely. Yeah. Sending photos and baked goods along um, with her love notes. Because her bakering was fucking bar none. Ooh. Mm -hmm. yes. She also, she wasn't afraid to get lewd with these yeah. fishing expeditions. Nice. Yeah, yeah. She'd say stuff about her ankles. <laughs> She'd just say stuff. Been like, and honestly, you want to come treat me like cows? Because I'm all jammed full of milk. Oh, yeah. Someone's got to handle these udders. I'll cattle proud you, sure. Well, mostly, she focused on men who wooed her with poetry because that's what she'd come to expect after reading so much romance literature. Yeah. Finally, she settled on a 22-year-old from Jacksonville, Alabama, named Frank Harrelson, who Ooh. fell for Nanny after she mailed him a picture and a slice of spice cake. Yeah, I no, love spice cake. Fucking Ooh, me love too. spice cake. Me too, man. Dear, dear Nanny, roses are red, violets are blue, your ankles are swollen, and I love you. <laughs> <laughs> you just came up with that. Nice. <laughs> Well, Frank swept her off her feet with flowers, chocolate, and poetry. And within two months, they were married. You could almost just hear the grunt when he did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is romance. Is yeah. hard. We, uh, we really got to work at this Woo. today, boys. We got to go to three stores. <laughs> well, after moving to a two-bedroom log cabin in Cedartown, Georgia, oh. Nanny felt like the dreams of romance that she had literally killed for were finally coming true. But as it would time and again... Reality won out. Why can't I be romanced? <laughs> she was really, she doesn't get it because every single time Why she thought she this time. Why can't she be romanced? I mean, other than, I know, I, she has three people that she's killed now. I get it. This but. is for all y'all out there. All y'all who ain't married yet, okay? Mm -hmm. Marriage is a partnership. Like, you have to, it takes work. But yeah, it should be fun, yes. Yes. But there's going to be moments, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be high points of of eroticism and, and excitement. <laughs> and there's going to be low points of, like, is this your sock? Is this my sock? Sure. And yeah. then sometimes the house burns alive. And everyone's in the house when the, when the house is burning. Everyone's dead. I love this Zabrowski marriage counseling 
Well, no, I mean, not to bring 90 Day Fiance into it again, but wow. I will. Oh, I mean, great. and I, this is what I, you learned. This is how we know. I, I know. Hey, man, and, and it works the exact same way because you've got these people that are writing letters to each other. They're, they're just sending Facebook messages to each other. They don't know each other at all. They only get to know each other through these romantic, you know, missives. Uh, and then once they finally meet, after two months, they have to fucking deal with each other and they realize like, oh my God, you're awful. Oh my God, I'm awful. I'm because awful. These, because these are not the types of people who make good decisions about their lives. <laughs> okay. Because they're marrying, because they're marrying someone after knowing them for like a few days or a month. Like they're yes. just really, they have really bad decision-making skills at every point. They well, already then, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the, and it just <laughs> compounds when they get together because then it's like an exponential factor of two people who already make bad decisions but now they're making bad decisions together. Yes. That's why you guys are all complicit in the demise of American culture, overall culture as a global stand, um, because you guys watch such trash. Wow. Oh, wow. trash. Wow. Oh, uh, trash. How many episodes in a row did you watch of that show where they make swords? How many hours? <laughs> Forged Forged and fire. And fire. We learned they Forged actually fire. Yeah, yeah, we learned. And I that. know so much about swords now. Yeah. I know about the, the stuff that they use to make them. You have to be able to hack through a fish. Yeah. yeah. And you know how much I've learned about the K-1 visa process? Quite a bit, my friend. I'm learning about government. I'm learning. <laughs> I'm learning about government. It will heal. It will keep. <laughs> well, after the wedding, Frank shut down the emotion and romance and he turned to drinking. Oh. And once prohibition ended, he switched from moonshine to whiskey, but still poured his liquor of choice into a clay jug and buried it in the garden out of habit. That's how I like it. I like it. It'd be all dirty. I like it to be dirty. Honestly, I'm kind of mad that the liquor can't kill me anymore. Yeah, that is too bad, isn't it? You sick of all this regulation. <laughs> Nanny's life then became a routine of staying home alone with her children until her husband needed to be bailed out for drunken disorderlies. Yes. And Nanny soon discovered that Frank had turned to Lonely Hearts ads because he developed a local reputation as a mean drunk back home. Yeah. Oh Sue my, had to she, send out for love. She yeah. can't get, she just can't find a good one. I mm -hmm. don't know. She's just going to have to really kill these guys until she can figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Now, at one point, Nanny tried matching her husband's drinking, but after yeah. they went on a three-day bender and simply forgot about Nanny's daughter, Florine, on days two and three, Nanny decided that wasn't the life for her. Eventually, the drunken beatings began, and oh. Nanny endured the marriage for another 16 years oh my while God. she raised Melvina and Florine to marrying age. Well, that was the thing. I said she had this in gold. Also, Ooh. remember this too, guys, and all of us. Your spouses can wait 20 years before killing you because mm -hmm. they've had the plan. <laughs> they've had the plan the entire time. Right. They yeah. knew they were going to kill you. It's like the Chinese government. Well, they, think in, they think in, <laughs> in eras. They think yeah. in a long period of time. Think it ahead there. They know what's inside your mind. Um, yeah. Also, just make sure that you have a healthy relationship going. Yeah. Do your best there. Keep that going. Yeah. Try, try your best. <laughs> we don't come home super hammered and like just start fighting. And then yeah, it would be nice if we just had a nice time. Yeah. 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 Well, by 1942, Melvina had married a guy named Mosey and yeah. had a kid. And Florine moved in with her older sister to help with childcare. Well, that was the thing. Florine still never really. Uh, no one cared about Florine. No one liked Melvina, but nobody cared about Florine. What's so worse? Melvina, she got all the attention and became like a. I'm going to give me because yeah. she got all the actual care and attention. Florine was just like, I guess I'm going to go help out Melvina. 
Yeah. <laughs> and that's her whole life. And you're not that's projecting. Whole, you're not projecting her anything. I'm just saying it's her whole fucking life. And yeah. she literally has to go like, I guess it's time for me to go be Melvino's butler. And then you have to have Melvina be like, Is my booze nice? Look at my new, I got a new bow today. A little Cinderella stepsisters going on here. All right. But when Melvina got pregnant again, immediately after giving birth, a long dormant switch flicked back on in Nanny's brain. Oh, no. Because Nanny, when she, she became obsessed with Melvina's kid, right? She became yeah. obsessed with the grandkid. So yeah. she was like, I'm the one who knows how to do. Nanny knows how to do. I'm mm. going to teach her myself. And so right. she went and like, she just basically took over complete care of the grandkid. But all of a sudden, but the whole time she was just like, now the thing is, you don't want to get immediately all plugged up again. Right. Because you're going to ruin everything. You should just have one Melvina. You need a Melvina. That's we all you need. You don't need a Florina. Well, you know she, what I'm saying? She knows from experience. Yeah. yeah. She, did, she did. She remembered how having two kids in such quick succession with Charlie had affected her in such a negative way to the point where she murdered two children. Sure. But she didn't really consider that her daughter just might be fine with it. She doesn't know. Yeah. Nevertheless, Nanny, and this is indeed, again, a lot of speculation, she might have done something purely evil to alleviate her daughter's stress. Evil. Now, moments after the second child was born, after a long and difficult labor, the child was handed to Nanny to hold. But when the doctor came to check on the baby soon afterward, he found that it had very suddenly died with no clear cause of death. I mean, it was crazy. This baby jumped up. It yeah. smashed its own head against the wall for about, I mean, five, six times. Wow. I, I didn't want to rule. I didn't want to fight his liberties. I never heard right? of Because I agree that. with you. Everybody should have their own liberty. Sure. And the right and to take child, their own life. Yeah, that yeah. child should be allowed to do that okay. as a choice. <laughs> okay. Sure. Yeah. Well, it was assumed that the baby had merely been starved of oxygen for too long during the difficult birth and hadn't recovered. But when Melvina returned home, she told her sister Florine about a nightmare she'd had while recovering. She said that she dreamed that her mother Nanny had taken a hat pin and pushed it ever so slowly into the soft spot of the baby's head while she held it after birth. Yeah, dog. That's not a medical thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's not good. It, it did probably, deflate. I thought it, it would did. pop. Yeah, it I didn't mean, pop, though. Th this probably didn't happen. This is probably a motion coloring memory. No, she probably just shoved it. She just covered its nose, yeah. its nose and its mouth with its maybe, hand. It's maybe, not but it was a long and difficult birth, baby. Especially back then. This is 1942. You know, there's not the best infant mortality rate in fucking Alabama, yeah. even now. But Florine replied that she remembered seeing their mother toying with a hat pin after the baby was declared dead, wearing a, quote, careful expression of grief see this you can't see this because this is, a, this is a uh obviously an audio medium but right. jackie and i were having this conversation about how like we both have never naturally frowned and like look at a frown yeah like you can't see it like look at us frown you look like a fish right right yeah. nobody have you ever frowned once and i could just mm. see nanny dosh just in there going mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> very sad yeah <laughs> yeah and yeah i'm sure someone would have noticed all the fucking blood if nanny had stabbed a hat pin into a baby's skull um it might not have a whole lot of blood actually now that i think about it, it might I don't just know. be uh, maybe a bunch of fluid would come out i'm not really sure how that works you can put but, your finger over it and then like honestly put a little hat on the baby yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah but i think it is telling 
that her daughters, at the very least, discussed the possibility. It's yeah. quite just she's already killed three people. Let me put yeah. a little sticker on it like Casey Anthony did there. Very bad. Yeah. yeah. But despite suspicions that their mother had killed her baby, Melvina abandoned her first son, Robert, to Nanny when her marriage to Mosey fell apart, mm. which only filled Nanny with more resentment and rage. Because now she's got another fucking kid to take care of. Well, anyone named Mosey is always going to walk away from you. We well, yeah, think, but I mean, it's slow. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, they're always walking away. Now, mm -hmm. now, during those 16 years married to Frank, Nanny was often in what she called a dark mood. And she found that those dark energies were best put not into murder, but baking. Yeah. But honestly, I know my mom was like that, too. Was When she was upset, cleaning became her weapon. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the vacuum, she used to bang the vacuum against the, the bedroom doll passive passive aggressively. Right. And like she used to clean and huff and clean. And so I actually feel like that the baking would become even more psychologically damaging because as soon as that flour came out, mm -hmm. you're like, oh, fuck. Oh, God. No, no. <laughs> I mean, it could be worse. <laughs> You know, true. I mean, it's going to yeah. yeah, she could shit in her hand and throw it on the fucking wall. <laughs> That'd be <Okay>. bad. <laughs> that would be bad. You got, you got cookies. It's a poopy turkey. Yeah. However, those mm. dark moods came with dark thoughts and baked goods eventually became Nanny's most reliable murder weapon. So Whoa. fucking sweet. It's so metal, dude. It's Death. just so exactly what you think it would be. Death by <laughs> Well, specifically, the victim of her first baking-themed murder was her grandson, Robert. Oh, yeah. Almost on a whim, it seems, Nanny added arsenic to a batch of cookies she was baking, and then she spent the next few hours almost force-feeding her grandson the tainted batch. You want another cookie? Why don't you have another cookie? Have another one. <laughs> That's what has happened to me in my whole childhood. I didn't know, but it turns mm. out I'd love arsenic. Absolutely. <laughs> You've adapted very well to it. The boy became sluggish, went to sleep, and never woke up, making him, at the very least, the third child to die on Nanny's watch. Yeah. The never mind if she even murdered him or not. It's just Three like children have died under her care. She's the worst babysitter of all time. It's ironic her name is Nanny. Uh, definitely dies with cookies in his tummy, though. So you go to bed, and you've got your little chocolate chips yeah, on his head. If they had like, done an mm. autopsy, that would have been called evidence. <laughs> but it wasn't and they didn't do it mm -hmm. yeah again no suspicion came nanny's way and she theatrically flung herself into the mud during well, the child's funeral oh my god her grief has turned her into a swine reportedly though frank then looked at melvina and florine and said quote i reckon i'm next so we're all just expecting to get murdered by Nanny now? Is that we're just going to kind of allow this to happen? It's just this, the depression of the time period, too. I just yeah. like just yep. sitting there, just a drunk with one of those, like, you know, like how your hats get all like they have the flat brim hats, but they're yep. all like stretched out and like fucked up. And just be like, <laughs> well, when do I get my poison? Absolutely. <laughs> Maybe they should be a little nicer to Nanny. Not that it's their fault. No, but uh, <laughs> I, mean, it's just, I think like, Nanny is extraordinarily difficult to be nice to. Oh, like, yeah. Nanny all she does is bake all day. Well, yes, some of it has poison, but what about the pancakes that didn't? Well, it's also <laughs> the worst thing in the world because everybody else loves her. Right. Yeah. Everybody else thinks Nanny is the most lovely because she puts up this whole front to mm -hmm. everybody where right. she's fun and glamorous and like literally always done to the nines with her hair done, makeup done. And then he's just, he's like, well, you know, at least maybe I could see him one last time. I yeah. could just I need to see her titties and then maybe sure. I, then I can go. Death by booby. Mm -hmm. That's how you want to go, Henry. I can't wait. Now, about a month later, World War II came to an end 
which meant joyous Yay. celebration all across the country. Frank's celebration, however, took a criminal and morally reprehensible turn. And on the night of Japan's surrender, Frank raped Nanny in a drunken <gasps> rage after she refused sex. And for this, Nanny decided that Frank had to die. He might have to die. He might have to. But there was an interesting uh, breakdown of the time of the time period, too, and how Frank was like on that border between being able to go to a World War II and not. And they were they were all doing the lottery, like the draft lottery and the town because there was such a big rush to get as many soldiers into the 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 Military. field of operation to get yeah. them that it sucked up all like the available workforce mm. so there had to be a, a discussion amongst people amongst these certain areas of, of the world being like well some of us have to stay behind to do some of this work well isn't this also where a lot of the gals went to the factory and started working some, and a lot of like it that? some of it yeah, that, it, it was both really. Alabama in World War II was a gigantic manufacturing hub. A mm. lot of the ships, that, especially ships, a lot of the ships yeah. that we built, uh, both for England and for ourselves, a lot of it came uh, to Alabama. There's a great in the Ken Burns documentary, The War. There's a, a great section on like what Alabama was like during this time and how World War II completely changed it. But Frank was one of those guys in manufacturing. That's how he oh, okay. got to stay. He's like, oh, we need these manufacturing people here, and that's why he stayed. But you were supposed to put up. A front of I can't wait to get in there and fight those Jerry's like you're right. supposed to like act like you wanted to go and be like I want to volunteer and these guys were all volunteering to go but Frank yeah. to to be Frank was kind of a pussy right well, I, and he yeah. didn't want to go he didn't want to go well, and they I mean, could, I, take, uh, yeah, rational sure. perhaps yeah but they, everybody around him heavily judged anybody who didn't act the act. They didn't walk mm -hmm. in. So it was this, the whole town right. was also torn apart. And Frank was one of these guys who just would cover himself in booze mm -hmm. just to, just to, I guess, stand it or whatever. But he was a mm -hmm. bad dude. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, Frank quite sensibly never ate meals at home and he kept his liquor hidden so Nanny wouldn't throw it away. But while Nanny worked in her garden, while she formulated a plan to poison her husband, she coincidentally happened upon Frank's buried moonshine jug. Whoa. Yeah. Immediately, she poured out an inch of liquor, replaced it with an inch of rat poison, oh, yeah. and reburied the jug. She's like the Riddler from the Batman. Yeah. By the next morning, Frank was laying in the front yard, dead as a doornail, and Nanny emptied out the jug and washed it thoroughly before calling the police. I mean, if you're going to kill someone, they, she killed him with what he loved. As far as victims go, like Frank, like he, finally we get to do that thing where, you know, we can say like, yeah, the victim was a real fucking piece of shit. Fuck that guy. <laughs> I mean, this is what they did with Eileen Warnos in Monster, which was far too sympathetic. This is the most sympathetic murderer. But then again, she's killing children. It's just I'm saying there's a lot to unpack. It's complicated. It's complicated. The funny thing, if she hadn't killed children, like every single one of her husbands was a piece of fucking garbage. They're all garbage. They were all, they're, all they're all garbage. Awful. But, but, but she did also, kill a lot of children and some other relatives aside that we'll get to in a bit. Okay. Live from your grave. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here with Henry Zabrowski. 
Yes, man. Yeah, bro. Henry Zabrowski is smoking some of that sweet last podcast of the left, babe. So go out there and purchase yourself some. I hope you enjoy it. We have sativa, we have indica, and we have a hybrid. And I have to tell you, from my personal experience, they are wonderful. Super tasty live resin. You really get the delicious weedy taste, which is what I like. And yes. three different experiences. You go to your local vape store and get it. Absolutely. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. We absolutely love you. Can't wait to see you on the road and get that vape, put it in your brain and have a good time. And if you want us at your favorite weed store, give them a call and ask for them by name. Last podcast on the left. It's weed. Hail yourselves, everyone. Hail Satan. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine. It's an addiction. It's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. Hey! Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs, and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt, and I love planting things myself. And fast-growing trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I didn't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list. With Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. 
Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, reportedly, neither Melvina nor Florine dared go near Nanny at the funeral, oh, which yeah. was now the third one involving a family member dying suddenly and mysteriously. And she's just going, <laughs> like she's crying all yeah. alone, being like, you know, yeah. like absolutely dry tears. Right. Mm -hmm. But much to Nanny's surprise, Frank actually had a big life insurance policy. Oh. And since no foul play was suspected, Nanny suddenly had money for the first time in her life. But you her see, dream came true. But again, it had nothing to do with the insurance policy. She didn't no. even fucking know. It just showed up. And then it was like a, and this light bulb went off where she was wow. like, oh. This is like when we first launched Patreon. <laughs> we had seven years for free. And then people are like, you can get paid for it. You're like, wait, what? What? She bought 10 acres outside of Jacksonville, Alabama, built a cottage, and filled it with romance novels and magazines. Ooh. Locals worked the land, and with a small pension and the insurance money, Nanny was finally independent. I'm every woman. Well, not every woman. Most women don't kill multiple people, but... But the problem with independence is that it wasn't compatible with the romantic life Nanny had always wanted. So she returned to the Lonely Hearts columns, and with the money she earned from killing her last husband, she expanded her search to the entire country <gasps> to find the next. Whoa. For two years, Nanny took trains to cities all over America to vet potential suitors. And eventually, she settled on a man named Arlie Lanning from Lexington, North Carolina, who wrote letters with all the flair of a romance novel. Wow. Well, when he and Nanny finally met, Arlie, like all the rest, was absolutely smitten upon meeting her, immediately impressed with her impeccable clothing, her perfect makeup, and her, quote, carefully quaffed curls. You're very tight. Yes, very <laughs> quaffed. I love that when you... That's the only thing that's tight on me. <laughs> yeah? Oh. So's my budget. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, Come on, loosen up a little lady. bit. Loosen up a little bit. And within days, they agreed to be married. And Nanny relocated to North Carolina for her third go-round on the marriage carousel. And this time, Ugh. I'm not killing all the horses and the unicorns. You're not me. going to? <laughs> do, you think, do you promise? Pinky yeah. swear? Okay. Mm -hmm. You know the stats on a third marriage? Uh, Crushing it. 70% end in divorce. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> all right. Ooh, Honestly, after one... I'm done. Never do it again. Never yeah. get Never. married again. But I, no. I do understand, I guess. No. Now, at first, it really did seem like things were going to work out this time for Nanny. Mm -hmm. Life was romantic and domestic, filled with pleasant dinners at home, dancing and trips to the theater, trips to oh. the movies. Arlie was even a better class alcoholic. Yeah. He drank wine, not moonshine. Classy. Very nice. Classy. Okay. 
But after only a month, the mm-hmm. wine took over, and a Arlie month? started yeah. sleeping around. Oh, uh, yeah. Ari, come, you're married to a murderer. It's just how this <laughs> you goes. You have to tiptoe through the tulips a little bit here. This is what happens when you find somebody at this time period this way, I think, too. But also remember, like, Nanny's, she's not, it's not like she's just in one small town in Alabama and going through all the eligible bachelors. Like, her first husband, yeah, that's Alabama, but that's a different town in Alabama. Her second husband, that's over in Georgia. This one, it's in North Carolina. She's in completely different states. No one's talking to each other. She can tell whatever story she wants to tell. Oh, yeah. And the thing is about Arlie sleeping around, Nanny did the same fucking thing. She would leave for up to a week at a time after leaving short, vague notes that said things like, quote, going on a trip. Be back soon. Oh, my God. But no, she is the ultimate. It's such good passive aggression. It's so good because <laughs> he would disappear. So the first time he disappeared. Right. Because this thing, the last guy did the same thing, right? They just start, they just disappeared. These dudes would just go on benders and not come back. It sounds fucking great. I don't even know. That, you know, that was an I option mean, as a husband. Yeah. <laughs> it's I not mean, just benders. I, I, like, it's going out and fucking other women for days I think at it a time. Is, technically, it's not an option as I, No, everybody gets mad. You destroy everything. But right. still, I didn't know you can just <laughs> choose to do it. That's what they would do. Right. And so when Arlie did it for the first time she's like fuck it he's not gonna find me when i when he goes back i get so it. literally she was like she'd go on her trip and be like okay you're gonna go fuck i'm gonna go fuck this yeah, is how it is. i mean you know and i'm just gonna come back whenever i want to too an mm-hmm. orgasm for an orgasm yep. they should have just done gangbangs it's difficult because of the mm. curls <laughs> you got you got one for my so she's trying to keep the girls together up top. You can't be fucking getting Chinese finger trapped oh, while you're getting, right. trying to keep your hair together. Well, sure you can. That involves the butthole and the vagina. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. Things get quite messy. They do. Sure, they can. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true, Ben. They can. They don't have to. I guess yes. they just can. <laughs> Recognizing that Nanny's behavior was a reflection of his own, Arlie went on the wagon temporarily. Always. The damage, however, was done, and their marriage settled into a years-long cycle of Arlie's binging followed by Nanny's dark moods and a whole lot of sex with strangers from the Lonely Hearts columns in between. But Christmas of 1952, for some reason, was different for Nanny. Again, that switch flipped. (gasps) It's Christmas. Yeah, it's stressful. It is. Well, it was, that's the thing. It wasn't about stress. Nanny had murdered her way through her first couple of families, so she didn't get a lot of Christmas cards from her daughters. And this Christmas, the urge to start over for a fourth time began to swell once more. Because it started with that thought. It did start with the thought of like, no one remembers me at Christmas time. That's very sad. No one cares about Nanny, even (laughs) though I kill and I kill and I kill. They don't know it for sure. They don't have evidence. They don't have any (laughs) any fucking evidence. I just say send so a Christmas card. So they shouldn't be card. thinking about it because when it comes down to it, what you need is evidence <laughs> I mean, for it to be considered to be a crime. To be honest with you, I think you have to become very close to your mother if you know that she kills everyone who gets distant uh, because just you got to stay in her good graces. Or you stay very, 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 very far away. Nanny you has stay a very long far reach. Away. Because the reason why Nanny kills, Nanny kills when she thinks that you're a burden. She Hell kills yeah. when she thinks that you're getting a little bit too attached. And that's mm. the trick to the narcissistic personality mode or whatever it is, the, the version of it, which is that's the thing is that she does want your attention up to a point. Right. And then she finds you needy and you also have to get away from her. Now you have yeah. to die. So there is no either way you're going to be dead. Right. If you get too close to Nancy. They get too close send to Nancy. the card, send the card. Well, after spending months in a deep depression worse than any Arlie had seen before, Nanny suddenly snapped back to her well-coiffed self. I'm so sorry. 
I'm just so sorry. As you could tell, I made my curl stiff again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she apologized to her husband for her behavior with her specialty. Stewed prune pie. Oh, yeah, give me that prune. It is... (laughs) Just this concept of it's like I'm fine with prunes, right? Like they're I am, fine. I'm neutral on prunes. Yeah, I'm, they're I'm good, good for the prunes. body. They're good yeah. for the bowel. But a yeah. whole plate of, ste- <laughs> of stewed prune pie, which must look like literal just shit, right? Like it's yeah. just loose brown. Well, if you have a nice crust on it or something, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. It's just I'm yeah. not into it. I feel like it's a little bit. Uh, dates, I don't mind. I think dates are technically the fancy term for prunes, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I think they're um, the prunes that were out in the sun for a while. But the thing about the prune is that what she had discovered is that it was the perfect cloak to arsenic because mm-hmm. huh. it's sweet and yeah, bitter. It's highly sweet, highly mm-hmm. bitter. And after eating a slice of prune pie, Arlie went to sleep and didn't wake up. The doctor subsequently declared death by heart failure, while Mm. Arlie's family consoled Nanny, not knowing that this was the second husband she'd personally put in the ground. And I'll tell you what, I'd dig the hole, too, if I could. Right. (laughs) Just because that's fun as hell. Watch him go down there fucking permanently. Absolutely. (laughs) Death by prune. No one likes that. But after Arlie's estate got settled and it was discovered that Arlie's will gave his house to Arlie's sister, Nanny Nanny discovered a house insurance policy that stated that if the house was destroyed, Nanny would get the payout. Nanny's fucking devious, man. And she kind of liked Arlie's sister, too. Like if she said that, she was like, it's unfortunate how this works out that I'm involved. Like, it you does kind to. of feel like that. Because it's like, I'm here, so I'm going to do what Nanny does. And Nanny does whatever the fuck. Yeah. Nanny won't. I see that. Oh, so yeah. So unfortunately, you're going to be just kind of swept up in that. Fantastic. Yeah. About a month after Arlie died, before the deed was transferred to Arlie's sister, and after all of Nanny's belongings were shipped back to Alabama, Arlie's house mysteriously burned to the fucking ground. Oh, it happens. No. It does happen. Where is the fire? <laughs> fire department. Oh, oh, the, the phone. I should, I should use the phone. Right, it's in the Where house. Where is the phone? It's in I, the burning house. Oh, that's good. I'm gonna have to walk to the fire department. <laughs> yeah, it'll take you a while. Oh, my ankle is real hinky today. Yep. Oh, it's gonna take some time. Take just about enough time for a house to burn down. <laughs> How then, dare you accuse me of arson? I actually didn't. I didn't. So evidence. Okay. <laughs> now Nanny did stick around North Carolina for a few months to take care of Arlie's mother, who'd been suffering from a long illness. But as it went, the illness took a sudden turn for the worse after Nanny took over care and started Arlie's mother on a mm. diet of stewed prunes. Prunes. Okay, I'm just gonna say this. Let's bring COVID into it. <laughs> Death results. Please, right? great, 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 great. great. You That's had, what this has been missing. This has been Terminal four cancer. You're, you're dying, right? And then you get COVID, and then you die, and they say Man, it was COVID's fault, right? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. The, the mom was gonna die, and Nanny, yeah, she helped. Well, she, but she, she helped. She, she, she did it too. Was, she didn't have to pay for her for anything. Was this death by Nanny or death by long term illness? This was death by Nanny. Yeah. Also, why yeah. aren't we blaming the fucking prunes a little bit? <laughs> I have never defended anyone so much in my life. But I know she's a murderer. because well, you want to marry her. I don't want to marry you her. You just want to be dispatched in that way. There's a part <laughs> of me that is envious of the time period when another state was really a, getting a away. A different country. You yeah, can yeah, get yeah, away. Yeah. Within months, Arlie's mother passed away, and Nanny moved back to Alabama after the funeral 
several thousand dollars richer than when she left. After that, though, Nanny, oddly enough, temporarily switched from Black Widow to Angel of Death. Of course, Angel of Death being another common trope amongst female serial killers. It's the idea that they are a god that is bestowing the gift of death to terminally ill people or people that they believe should not be suffering any longer. Right. I think Angel of Death is far, far for Nanny. I do think that murder just became habitual. You think so? It became habitual and it really has become a practical way for her to make things simpler for her life. Right. Indeed. Mm -hmm. Habitual. A habitual. If, uh, you yeah. know, emphasis there on oh, kind of the middle bitch. term. Uh, <laughs> she is Israel Keys. She is everything that people wanted Israel Keys to, to be. be. Yeah. She really is like. She's an extremely dangerous human being. Wow. Yeah. And everybody around her eventually dies. Right. Yeah. Well, following her move back to Alabama, Nanny's family wrote letters begging her to visit her sister, Dovey, who'd fallen ill from a wasting disease. And you know, Dovey's like, don't invite Nanny here. I still, I feel like I'm getting better. I feel like I can turn this around. Really, Dovey? Well, I mean, that's kind of what I'm thinking, man, is that they know that people die around Nanny, that when Nanny comes around, people go into the fucking ground. So like... <laughs> Why don't we just, you know, why don't we write a letter to Nanny and I just let Nanny say, I heard you say you want to invite Nanny. I'm still alive. <laughs> they're hiring her. That's what they're doing. Yeah. Nanny agreed. And after a week of care, she decided that Dovey had to go. Dovey, you know what's coming, right? <laughs> I just feel like, oh, look, I can't. I could get my legs moving again. Yeah. <laughs> well, after Dovey complained of constipation. <gasps> what did I hear? Oh, oh I think I know the cure for that. <laughs> Let's put up the prune signal. <laughs> yeah. yep. Nanny mashed up a nice paste of stewed prunes. And after a week of Nanny's prune diet, Dovey died too. At her funeral, Nanny learned through family that her stepfather James had died at some point in the last few years as well. Hmm. So Nanny invited her mother Lou to come live with her. Uh-oh. Now Nanny immediately came to realize that this decision was a mistake. But she was well aware that the locals wouldn't look kindly upon her for abandoning her mother. So Mother Lou ended up on a prune diet Ooh, before prune. long. Prunes hit the menu, man. As soon as prunes hit the menu, <laughs> everybody's so going to heaven, man. That is yep. dangerous. And Nanny got all the appropriate praise for taking care of her sick and dying mother. And of course, Mother Lou died eventually. Now, hmm. it's interesting about Nanny, because I feel like that's where the... Any sort of psychological, like, you know, armchair psycho psychologist talk about her is that she was obsessed with what other people thought. Yes. Right. More, she had no inner life. She everything was inconveniences and fantasy to her to her like so the inconveniences to her fantasies, what she believed her life was supposed to be, and this mm -hmm. like unattainable way, the thing that she was searching for that was just never gonna fucking happen. But mm -hmm. yeah. she still believed that she needed to kill and kill and kill and kill to get that life. But also at the same time, she loved the 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 societal points. Of like, look at what I've done in this moment of grief. I take care of these people. So I do this. What are you eating first? One of uh, Nanny's 
pruned pies, a sausage made by that psycho in Canada who ground them all yeah, up in yeah, there, yeah, yeah. or exactly. one of Hanson's out of Alaska. What are you going to eat if they serve you all food? Well, Robert Hanson's baked goods were the least affected by anything, and I would yeah. not eat his stuff. Yeah, you definitely eat his baked Yeah, because people ba- ate his baked goods forever. It wasn't a part of his thing. Yeah. Okay. He was just a baker. That was his cover. Right. And he was actually very good, so I would have eaten that. Fantastic. Yeah. So he won I mean, that Technically, one. Dennis Rader was very good at installing home security systems. A little too good. Yeah. Okay. It's just a job. <laughs> just just a, job. a job. Fantastic. Now, after Mother Lou's death, Nanny found that she had no personal connections left. Her parents were both dead. Her siblings and her children, what remained of her children, were deathly afraid of her. And her first husband, Charlie Braggs, was nothing more than a distant memory. She didn't even know where Charlie lived. Frida! Frida! Ch- Charlie is the luckiest I man. Get you down. <laughs> that's Nobody ever gonna lived. get you. Nanny gonna do. She must be thrilled then. Yeah, this is exactly how she wanted it. She's untethered from anyone or anything that could hold back her pursuit of a romantic life. Finally, she's free. Yes. So she kicked it up a notch in 1953 and moved on from the Lonely Hearts column to a paid national dating service called the Diamond Circle Club. She's going from OK Cupid to fucking plenty of fish now. Oh, yeah. Well, it's because she said there's a little bit of a reason because she's like, her hair starting to show its age. She's starting to, you know, like gain a little weight. She's doing these things. She's starting to age, right? Like Mm -hmm. she's starting to age and she knows that just her picture in a piece of pie. Is maybe not going to bring them in anymore. Hmm. So now I need to up my game and show them all I have money. Right. I'm well landed. Classy I'll gal. suck your dick. Wow, mm-hmm. that's even better. From this service, Nanny snagged a man named Richard Morton from Kansas, who, like all the others, talked big about romance in his letters. Dick Morton. I love that name. No, Dick, no Dick Morton. Morton. No. And she was mad because Dick Morton, she was, he was unfortunately, which is, you know, She's a murderer. She's right. an infanticide, matricide. Um, killed all her families, killed all of her husbands. Pa- yeah, matricide, all yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, but she didn't like Richard Morton because he was short. Really? <laughs> and that's the real well, reason. Did he lie about that? No, you couldn't. Mm. Well, did, no one cared at the time. She didn't ask him. No. Well, no. you want to get to? You want to know that answer? Yeah. Well, the other difference was that Richard was wealthy. First rich man she ever snagged. And oh, after yeah. a month, they got married. Jeez. And this time. Things were different, at least at first. Richard was sober, faithful, and devoted. But Richard was also kind of boring. And Richard was also clingy. See, this is the thing. Now he's staying home. And he's doing all the stuff he wants that she wants her to do. But now she hates it. Because she's like, but you suck, though. The other guys, it was kind of fun. You know, they ran away. But now I was used to having my alone time. She literally said that. It was like, I was used to being on my own. But now you're here all the time. What do women want? What do women want? What do women want? Well, this wasn't a part of her romantic fantasy. You know, she had this fantasy. And and that's the thing. It's just the other side of it. Her fantasy hadn't worked out again. She didn't have the excitement. She didn't have the romance. It was just some boring, short, lumpy dump sitting in the kitchen waiting for her to finish a meal. And that's it. And of course, when Nanny started pulling away, Richard started courting other women. Mm. And again, in response, Nanny resumed her membership in the Diamond Circle Club, claiming to be a widow seeking travel and excitement after suffering through a boring marriage. I love diamonds, prunes. Right. <laughs> I love going on a train. That's and awesome. I love writing letters. I th- and do you suck dick by any chance? 
you wouldn't fucking believe what I do. <laughs> Let's do it. Right? Let's I've get married. I invented this new thing called sucking dick with my butt. Whoa. Yeah, <laughs> I just do it. Get it's double crazy. married. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> At the same time, Nanny got her grubby fingers on Richard's finances and discovered that he was in quite a bit of debt. Uh-oh. The longer Richard lived, she figured, the more debt he would accrue and the less likely an insurance policy would balance out Nanny's payout. And you know how that she got this jump on him, Kissel? How? Is that he, uh, he was a late riser. Mm. And so she'd get the mail first. So mm. she just would open all his mail. Mm -hmm. And so this is the thing Good. I'm saying to you, Kissel, as a what? potential, ser you're searching for a suitor yourself. I know that eventually, but I'm just saying <laughs> that you might have to get up and check the mail first sometimes because you never know when someone's planning on insinuating themselves inside of your all of your financial life and then uh, poisoning mail. you. I hate mail. It gives me anxiety. Yeah, I hate the mail too. I yeah. hate the mail. Yeah. yeah. Well, either way, they can handle it. They can handle all of that. <laughs> I don't care. And so, after just three months of marriage, oh that's, and that's, that's what boggles my mind, is that she killed for boredom so much faster than she killed for abuse. She oh, dealt yeah. with abuse for you know, years, years. Decades. Years. Wow. Decades. And with boredom, it's three months. She wow. baked stewed prunes mixed with rat poison into an apple pie. And Richard, hmm. just like Arlie before him, went to sleep and never woke up. Do you know that that also is not really how it went too? Because she hinted that one of these books hinted that like she would do her best. They don't just go to sleep and not wake yeah. up. They yeah. literally go to bed and then you hear in the other room. Oh, oh sure. And she's going, <laughs> you know, she just sits there, like you know, what I mean? like not hearing anything. Like yeah. it's like it's not yeah. a peaceful night. It's like no. when I ate. It's like when I ate all those super cool wings to win that yes. challenge against one of our friends. <laughs> yes. yes, it was a horrible night. Horrible night. But because Richard was on the other side of middle age, and because Nanny was in Kansas, far away from any of her other murders, no one suspected a thing. And after the life insurance payout, Nanny did indeed come out two thousand dollars ahead. Okay. Yeah. Now, by this point, Nanny was about to enter her 50s. And after four failed attempts at finding her perfect romantic partner, mm. she began to accept that maybe the romantic life just wasn't in the cards. It's oh. just not for men. Men are just not there for it. Well, Nanny, They're have not you, there for have me you thought don't... about a lady? Damn. Yes. The thing about a lady, though, is that, yeah, get one of the top hat. Oh, yeah. Get one with them long clits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's sure. what I'm looking for. I want one with a real long clit. Fantastic. Yeah, and a deep set of balls. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Mm. Sounds like you're looking for a man still. But... I mean, uh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. What do you think gives Bill Gunnis the edge of recognition versus Nanny Doss? Do you think violence. it's just... Yeah, the, the sheer yeah. violence. It's, it. it's violence, and she strikes a more... She's scarier, too. She's scarier, yeah, it's yeah. true. I think Nanny Doss is actually scarier than Belle Gunnis. I think so, because too. Because she works, she gets in there. Yeah. She really gets in there, and she makes you think everything's chill. Belle yeah. Gunnis was a monster. Literally, yeah. truly was a fairy tale monster, where, like, yeah. she is, Nanny Doss is, it's that thing. You never know when all of a sudden you're getting fucking broadsided with it. And she weaponized the thing that we all love, food, yeah. basically. And mm -hmm. also, pies. Oh, pie, Especially something as innocent as pie. Yeah. yeah. So... Nanny decided to choose a man that was at best decent okay. and married Samuel Doss of Tulsa, Oklahoma, just a month after she buried Richard Morton. Uh, moving on. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, Samuel was indeed a decent man in the puritanical Christian sense in that he didn't smoke, drink, sleep around, gamble, or even curse. 
At 59 years old, Samuel was the classic set-in-his-ways bachelor who went to bed and ate meals at the exact same time every single day and even had sex at appointed times that were marked on the calendar. He Boring. Oh, yeah, dude. And you'd only have one. He's the type of thing where, like, you only use a light when you're in the room and then yeah. you shut the light off and you only use the light to illuminate the specific idea that the specific space that you need to be illuminated sure. and, and then you shut it right off. You can't put the fans on until it reaches a certain temperature. And she's wow. like, so again, she wanted this routine in a way, mm -hmm. but she didn't really want it. No, no, it doesn't sound like it. Yeah. It was of course both boring and incredibly frustrating it was even it was boring on a different level than the guy before because it is the, the other guy is just like yeah whatever get off me this is an actual pain in the ass that she has to deal with so to her temporary credit she did this time at least try to just leave instead of resorting to murder but when Samuel started sending her letters, both shaming her for leaving and agreeing to give her more control over their finances, uh -oh. Nanny decided to give it another shot. When Nanny returned to Oklahoma from Alabama, though, she brought her treasure trove of romance literature, her most Ooh. cherished possessions. Now, not surprisingly, Samuel saw romance literature as both frivolous and evil. Artifacts of Satan that oh put my. both of them in danger of damnation for as long as they stayed in his home. If he just knew, you just let her read them. You just, <laughs> just let, her, let read her read them, man. I just, I wish I could give these guys, you just let her do certain just things. Just let her do it. You let know? her be herself, man. Nope. He got rid of him. He oh my God, that's the word. Oh, he well, destroyed. He's so he's dead now. So <laughs> yeah. he not because her eyes. Wow. You can just see her face. If you look at that picture of her, oh yeah, you think you see her being like, "You threw away my magazine." Yeah, <laughs> he's he so only, fucking dead. Doesn't even know it. He not only sealed his fate. He guaranteed himself a slow death. Oh, yeah. Far more painful than any oh, other man. nanny inflicted upon a husband. He but just didn't know. It no. also must be said that Samuel's long road to death wasn't necessarily a personal decision. It was more of a happy coincidence for nanny. Mm -hmm. See, Samuel, boring and joyless in every aspect of his life, didn't like sweets which dashed Nanny's usual M.O. of using sugar to mask the taste of arsenic. No prunes yeah. possible. And he didn't drink booze either. The only superpower that she had, he had the kryptonite. Oh, yes. He didn't drink and didn't eat sweets. What's she going to do? Well, she started stirring the smallest amount of arsenic into Samuel's nightly cup of coffee at dinner. Yeah. Okay, so coffee guy at dinner. Slowly poisoned him. That seems a little wild, though, to have coffee at dinner. Yeah, it is. A, actually, it is a little wild. He's kind of out of control. It's a little yeah. Yeah, he was like, whoa, okay, whoa, buddy. Hey. And before long, Samuel had lost 15 pounds and became bedridden with horrific stomach cramps. Hmm. But for the doctor's part, they were stumped. And Samuel spent 23 days in the hospital for what they thought was a mysterious gastric infection, all while Nanny showed the appropriate amount of compassion. I just wish that he'd let me coddle him with my prunes, but he won't <laughs> let me do it. Right, mm -hmm. right. See, what Nanny hadn't counted on was that Samuel, for the dull life he lived, was actually extraordinarily healthy and strong. Oh. Unlike the alcoholics she was used to murdering, whose bodies were already just hanging on by a thread. So, when Samuel was finally released from the hospital and sent home after recovering from long-term arsenic poisoning, she said, fuck it, 
and dumped enough arsenic into his coffee to kill a horse. And Samuel <laughs> died moaning in pain on the very night he returned home from the hospital. This seriously just has to end. It has I mean, to just end. watching you be like this is, is depressing me. So this is where she actually got a little carried away and a little bit lazy, dare yeah, I say. A little well, bit. But that's hey. the thing. But Nanny definitely would have gotten away with murder had she just given him all the arsenic at once in the first place, which truly makes me wonder just how many women around the world murdered their way through life before the age of mass communication. I mean, that's why we did. We tried really hard putting misogyny into everything so we can make them <laughs> police themselves from the inside out. We tried to fix this problem. 24%. No, yeah. 24%. Oh, maybe. Is the number 24%. 24% of women. Yeah. Murdered their way across the, the like world before the age of mass communication. Twenty-four percent. My mother, <laughs> my mother has. I think that she has this fantasy, but she's never done it. Yeah. Like she's had this idea in her head to be like, well, I could kill everyone. I feel like, and then they'd mom, all know. You know, it's, it's kind of like with like nine eleven, for example. Sure, right? It's like, was it the government conspiracy? Did they plan it, or did they allow it to happen? I'm more mm. of the latter. So your sure. father. She's just allowing, <laughs> allowing life to kill himself. <laughs> yeah. So she's just allowing life to slowly kill my father. She's not stopping it. Yeah. <laughs> is all I'm saying. Yeah, Squeebono indeed. <laughs> but, but yeah, because he's definitely worth almost one thousand dollars. Whoa. <laughs> whoa. Yeah. But since Nanny's actions had introduced an element of mystery into Samuel Doss's yeah. death, the gastroenterologist who treated Samuel found the progression, regression, and sudden fatal end of Samuel Doss's illness to be, in a word, fascinating. 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 Well, because, you know, the wow. truth is, is that every other one, all the other deaths, they weirdly had a lot of things that could cover up. Right. Like with Arlie, it was either Arlie, one of them. Well, they're all there was alcoholics. A but there was a, like. the alcohol was one. Yeah. Then there was like a flu epidemic that also happened. That was, <laughs> yeah, that was a lot Arlie. of these were blamed on. Yeah, Arlie was like, there was a flu epidemic that his, the, his death was like loosely based Got on. It. And then the drunk. Again, they're just, just considered that like, well, his body just gave out. Right. He mm -hmm. just because that's what happened all the time because he's working in the mill 16 yeah. hours and then you drink yourself with rot gut to sleep every night. And that booze, I had one of those really old it's bottles of whiskey yeah, and we I'm had supposed it. to like it, but Tastes I like didn't medicine. Like, yeah, I didn't like it. Now, this guy, a Dr. Schwelbein had treated Samuel all throughout his 23 days in the hospital. And since no autopsy was required because Samuel's death was put down as natural, the doctor asked Nanny if he could do one anyway, somewhat as a personal favor. And we've done ever, absolutely everything to heal him. I cut slits in his foot yeah. to see if I could bleed him out. And then we went and I put mercury deep into his eyeballs. <laughs> it seemed to also have no effect. I simply cannot yeah. imagine what killed him. Maybe those things. And then I applied my doctor's hammer to his forehead. Right. Just to see what it would do and pound. And I pounded his head just to see how solid his skull what was. was in there? Very still. The, the skull remained mostly intact. Huh. <laughs> All right. Well, do whatever you needed. What could possibly kill I didn't do it. <laughs> now, Nanny probably would have said no to an autopsy. But Dr. Schwelbein asked Nanny in a crowded room. So... Not wanting to arouse any suspicion, oh. Nanny gave the go-ahead. Yeah, I guess let's look at his fucking guts, everybody. All right, let's do <laughs> it. On, let's get, do the, it. get the bone saw. Can I do it? You want to do it? Come on, let me do it. All right. 
Within minutes of opening Samuel's stomach, they found ample evidence of massive arsenic poisoning. And Nanny Doss was quickly and finally arrested. Whoa! <laughs> Y'all got me! We got you on this I don't know what took you guys so long, but you fucking got me. I actually don't know what it took so long. I <laughs> that's a thing. Well, that's a thing. When Nanny was brought in for questioning and asked if she killed her husband. <laughs> no. She reportedly let out hysterical little yelps of laughter to show how ridiculous she thought the concept was. That's this is crazy. Re- to me. That is crazy. So you killed your <laughs> did you kill your husband then? No. It's kind of funny. <laughs> Is there anything funny about his death to you? Just the look on his face. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Acting a little odd, Nanny. Uh, And hence, Nanny Doss became known as the Giggling Granny. Ooh. After hours of stonewalling detectives, though, a man named Ray Page stepped in and gave Nanny the hard way, easy way ultimatum. Hard way, we dig up every person who's ever died in your vicinity and test them for arsenic. And then when we find it, you hang. (gasps) <gasps> easy way you confess and spend the rest of your life in prison well that's just, this is mm. I watch a lot of police interrogation footage on YouTube I love this I shit no I do too I... Um, but a part of it is that right because you want to develop a, a way out for mm-hmm. somebody you have to develop this thing and this idea of this and uh, guess what it's, uh, it's fake every time but when they ask you they say like listen help us out here we can help you. Right. Like, yeah. We're going to help you. We're going to get you through the system. It's not true. No, of course not. They just not. need to get the confession because a confession is the only way they can lock it in. Would they, they, have, they can lock in a conviction. With the technology of the time, would they have been able to find the arsenic in these cold cases? Oh, they, yeah, dude. Uh, oh, it yeah, smells like easy. almonds. You yeah. literally even open in, it up and it just reeks some, of arsenic. Even in some uh, in a deceased, decaying body? Well, they point? did it. He had just died. They absolutely did it, given the choice. And that's the thing is that they they gave her the hard way, easy way thing. They're like, yeah, and we'll give you back your fucking true mag, your true romance magazine too. Yeah, and I fucking it, did it. That's awesome. <laughs> that's all she basically wants. Yeah. yeah, that's that's all she wanted, and she chose the easy way. But she only confessed to killing the four husbands, even though it was pretty obvious that she'd killed many more people. The men were dug up, and they were found to be full of arsenic. Huh. But the children and the relatives were left to rest, if only because no one saw the point of digging them up too. And once police rifled through Nanny's correspondence, they found that she had already been courting yet another husband as she was in the process of killing Samuel. She had no less than a dozen men already (laughs) on the hook. Yeah, She would have kept going. There's no way she would have stopped. No, why would she? But as it was, Nanny Doss died in Oklahoma State Prison in 1965 at the age of 59, having continued correspondence the whole time with a litany of lonely hearts who, for some reason, still wanted a piece of the giggling granny. Just want her, man. <laughs> There's something fun about her. Nanny Doss. It is interesting. So she took her latest, her last husband who she killed, she kept his last name. Uh yes. Okay. I don't know why the last one. I think it's because the last one. I think it's was just who the, she stumbled on. I think it would have been anyone's last I, one. I think uh, she changed. Yeah, it would have been whoever she married. She just. I think she changed her name every time. Wow. Yes. Well, look at that. Talk about someone who is loyal. That's why get someone who takes your relationship from zero to a hundred 
in just a couple of weeks. Because in <laughs> no way is that you can trust them. That means you can you trust can them. Absolutely. As romance, it's not them. a red flag. It's romance. It's, it's red romance. flag because a heart is red like no. on a Valentine. That's no. correct. Great point. Also, <laughs> that's make not a sure red flag. If you do have a murderer in your family, send them a card every now and again. Honestly, keep them in to keep a light in distance, touch, like an Insta post. Insta. Every yeah, once in a while, it. give it a like. She's gonna be like, "No, I'm still here." Right. Like you, loving your stuff. Don't kill me. Nanny Doss, one of the most interesting killers we've ever covered. What a story. There were some moments where you did feel a little empathy and sympathy, but then you're right. I think she would have just continued to kill a bunch of people. Oh, yeah. And it's very bad when you turn the prune on a human. I mean, I think that it's good to not trust prunes. They're disgusting. Well, no, they're good for your no, mouths. I like prunes. I like dried prunes. Yeah, I'm okay yeah. with them, but yeah. still, yeah. that's why you give might flax. Also, yeah, dehydrated prune. Delivery. I, like I would go with delivery for dinner. Oh, yeah. yeah or yeah, HelloFresh. Yeah, yeah. Maybe this is a good time for a HelloFresh yeah. ad. Well, you know what you do? <laughs> you know what's really difficult to hide poison in? A crudo. Sushi. Great. That's very difficult call. to poison it. Oh, yeah. It's just the mercury from the sushi. You will slowly die. Yeah, yeah but that's different. You're earning that. You exactly. want that. Yeah. Because it's a very expensive and slow way to die. All right. Um, so we have a couple of announcements. Number one, Spring Hill Jack Coffee. You love it. We love it. I love it. We've got a new bean. Wait, a new what bean. is a new the bean? Bean. The Mothman Blend's got a new bean. It's absolutely fucking delicious. Yes. It is a little bit of a lighter roast, which I like. I think it's good for the morning time. And my understanding is the lighter roast has more caffeine. It does. It gives you a good jolt. It's going to get you powerful. Yep. So you, honestly, go ahead and check it out, but get some of those delicious new beans over yeah. at Spring Hill Jack Coffee with that Mothman Blend. It is so very tasty. You know we fucking love it. And those of you that have had it know we ain't lying. No, it's very tasty. Love the Mothman we, coffee. We, love the Mothman we, blend. Love every blend that Spring Hill Jack makes. Mm-hmm. The products and that we are a part of are very good. They are I'm, fine. We try our best. <laughs> they are fine. But no, but honestly, we we don't normally endorse anything that we haven't already, unless it's a, you know, it's one of these things we're, we're forced to endorse. But, you know, the rest of it, we try it. Especially sure. if we're putting our name on it, we're trying it. We're Absolutely. involved. Yeah. Um, June 10th. Ben Kissel and I are going to be <sighs> at a place called the Count's Den. This is in Counts downtown dead. Los Angeles. I believe from 6 to 8 p.m. That's We're going right. to be there. We're going to be signing comic books. We're going to be signing Slow Plumber. There's going to be some kind of in-store New York signing as well for Marcus, but we haven't scheduled that yet. We don't know what that I'm is I'm figuring, figuring that one out. Still uh, still in recovery mode over oh, here, yes. so I'm taking it slow. I'm going to sign your signature, Marcus. I, I think that ahead. would be great. And you, you just ahead. be him. Great. And you, you just it. sit on a bunch of ketchup packets. Then, ride and show. Because my rectum bleeds. Yes. Re- your rectum bleeds. Folks, yeah, he's rectum got a tomato bleeds. butt. Come on, folks. <laughs> um, the uh, ride and show live, Nashville, June 18th. Can't wait. Starting at 7 p.m. Nashville yeah. time. Um, but we want to let you know if you cannot make it physically there, and we still want you there. We got. Oh, we actually don't have that many tickets left for the in-person show, and I want you to be there. But yes, please. If you can, and if you want to, if you're in from out of country, someplace else, you can't get there. Watch our live. Live stream happening the same exact time, and it's gonna. And you go to get those tickets at momenthouse.com/lpotl. That's and it. And you go get those tickets. It's gonna be so much fun. You're gonna hear a bunch of ads for it. I mean, we're just so fucking excited. The yeah. show is not gonna be a clusterfuck. Not it won't be. Hell not no, no. Certainly not with 25 people there. No, <laughs> but totally it's going to be fun. But, but also remember, it's gonna be three hours long. When you yeah. go, it's gonna be it's gonna be a full ass night. I we recommend. got a band. It's gonna be oh yeah. So, no, no, my, my cousin's band, the Urban Pioneers, Urban Pioneers, are gonna be playing. Me and Carolina are gonna be doing one hell of a no dogs in space routine that we got worked up. That we're working up right now. We can't fucking wait for it. It's gonna be it's rhyming specific. Very truly can't for wait. It. Fantastic. Truly, Fernan- truly can't Fernando, wait. Fernando, Travis, yeah. and I will be doing a top hat thing. All the shows will be there that you love i'm going to recommend because the show will be long 
I, we don't need to see any messages at 8 a.m. saying we're pre-gaming now. Yeah. Have your first beer at the start of the show. After three hours, you're going to have a nice little buzz. Yeah, you'll be hammered. And then we could actually go out. I, yeah. you, I always get concerned when someone sends those messages. And they're like, get ready for tonight's show. It's like 10 a.m. Oh, I know. To be Dude, like, you're not going to make it to the show. You're going to fall asleep. <laughs> you don't make it to the show. We have had people literally fall forward out of their seats because they started pregaming too early. Have be a full careful. night out. Exactly. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. We hope you're doing well out there. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Again. Magustulations, everybody. Hail me. If you would. If you've got a spare hail, why don't you toss me one? Why don't you toss him a hail? Also, don't eat anybody's pie. I mean, yeah, you, you should. Unless you know uh, that they're not going to kill you. Honestly, man, fuck it. Also, prune pie. If Avoid prune pie. But if pie's going to kill you, it's going to kill you fucking anyway, one way or another. So just jump on it. Jump True. on that grenade. All right. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave.